When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, I was fortunate enough to visit the pretty large aquarium of a friend of mine uh, last week, which is something I hadn't, hadn't done in a long time. You know, with COVID and all, it's just a little still, life is still getting back to normal for everybody. And so getting out and masking up and, and visiting a friend was pretty cool. And it was nice to see, and it caused me to reflect when I was looking at his amazing aquarium. I was thinking, you know, every time I visit a successful, amazing aquarium, whether it's at a person's house, at a business, uh, in, a, in a local fish store, wherever, I can almost go into sort of a mental checklist of attributes that just seem to be in place. And I figured that it's about time that I maybe go over this because I, I don't, not big one on doing these like top 10 kind of lists, but I thought about it and I'm like, you know, they're... Based on my little notebook of info, there's always like the certain characteristics that are common to all these successful um, aquarists and and, uh, and aquariums. So in no particular order, I've found 10 characteristics of successful aquarists and their aquariums. And there's probably dozens and dozens more, but here's some of the most obvious ones that I've noted over the years. So uh, number one, the aquariums are almost never overstocked. The hobbyists use common sense in adding livestock to their aquarium. You know, the, 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 the fishes aren't forced to compete for space, for, you know, dissolved oxygen, resources, whatever. There's almost a restraint. And, and this goes for reef tanks where there's not a ton of coral shoved into every nook and cranny, or even planted aquariums where there's not so many different types of plants that it almost becomes chaotic. It's always, the, the, the tanks that always seem to be successful in the long-term almost every time are these ones which have not necessarily a huge variety of, of organisms, but a modest variety. So restraint is a big deal. Uh, number two, I've always found that almost every successful aquarist engages in a regular, if not fanatical program of maintenance. And that ranges from just water changes to replacing the media, um, you know, scraping algae, uh, cleaning the lenses, little details, cleaning the lenses off of LEDs, um, wiping down the glass, keeping a clean um, stand or inside the aquarium stand. And with these kind of people, as maintenance issues are not taken care of, you know, whenever or when I feel like it, they're scheduled and more or less regular and constant. These people just, it's, uh, it, you know, it's Tuesday, Tuesday's the day I wipe down the glass, Tuesday's the day I do this. Now, Fanaticism is one thing, but consistency is another. And most of these people are consistently fanatical, I guess. <laughs> they're, they're, they're always doing some, some of the same things to continuously keep their tanks looking their best. And that's just something that is a common trait among these successful people. Uh, and, I, and I find that fascinating. And number three, this is something that more and more I'm seeing, is that the aquariums uh, uh, almost always have a theme. In other words, they're not just a random aggregation of animals or plants or 
even botanicals for that matter, or wood, uh, a little this, a little that. Rather, the hobbyists stock the system along the lines that the bulk of the fishes and the plants are, say, from the Amazon or from uh, their rock-dwelling cichlids or um, bottom-dwelling fishes, maybe a collection of loaches or whatever. Or there's, there's sort of a, a theme. Mixes of every conceivable type of fish and all sorts of plants are typically avoided. Again, it goes back with that whole thing about restraint. Uh, it, it's following, you know, an idea and executing it the entire way. And I find that fascinating because, sure, there's lots of aquariums that do all kinds of, you know, the, the fruit stand thing where there's tons of different things out there. But almost every really memorable, successful aquarium I've seen has had some degree of a theme, whether it's blackwater, botanical, uh, brackish, whatever it is, there's consistency in the theme. And that's super, super important. Something it just always seems to be in play. So number four, uh, one of the other things I've noticed is just about everybody that is successful in these aquariums, uh, in these aquariums, in this here aquarium culture, almost everybody that seems to be successful and have really nice aquariums almost always uses some form of chemical filtration media on a regular basis, whether it's activated carbon or something like Purigen or polyfilter or whatever, they're always using it and replacing it regularly. And these things are, you know, uh, they may not be using tons of the stuff, but they're always using some chemical filtration media and their water is usually clear, whether it's, you know, sometimes it's by design, other times it's as a result of the, uh, the chemical filtration media they're using. And of course there's, you know, black water aquariums that have crystal clear water. It's just very tinted. But, um, even in my, you know, aquariums, which seem to embrace a little bit of sediment and siltation and so forth, I'm using chemical filtration media and, and it just, it's something that um, a lot of these successful aquariums seem to use. And number five, this, this will come as no surprise to you. The uh, hobbyist is almost always super engaged with the tank. In other words, they enjoy more than just looking at the animals. They're involved in, you know, almost every aspect of the tank, whether it's, again, maintenance, stocking, tweaking, researching, reading about, studying, just enjoying, um, you know, getting a lot of knowledge about the animals that they're keeping or the type of aquarium that they're keeping, or even if it's equipment, there's something about being super engaged. That's a common theme. It's not just someone has an aquarium and ignores it. Now, again, I'm not saying that there's not wonderful aquariums that somebody's set up and just kind of doesn't do a whole lot of uh, work on and just enjoys. That's certainly possible or has perhaps a maintenance service do it. But the, the aquarists that set them up and enjoy them, there's a definite common theme and it's always about really being engaged with their system. Another thing that I found really fascinating, uh, number six, is that the aquarist knows about each and every animal or plant or coral in their tank. And it's not like, oh, I got this because it was on special or I'm not really sure, but it looked cool. The people that are really successful long-term know exactly what they're stocking. They know about what exactly that coral needs. They know how big that fish gets, where it comes from, uh, its behaviors and so forth. And they have a working knowledge or more than a working knowledge of what's in there, what it needs to thrive and how to provide for its care. Nothing's left to chance. And number seven, this probably comes as no surprise with successful aquarists. They read extensively or research extensively. They participate in an online forum, a club, a group. They regularly engage or exchange information with other hobbyists. The aquarist sees themselves as part of a larger community. And I think that's important. Some of the best hobbyists are are certainly some of the most active hobbyists in, in both the community and in the hobby in general. 
Um, which is not to say that you can't be, a, you know, kind of a loner. You like to keep to yourself and just do your stuff. But and there, and there are plenty of talented people that are like that. But boy, the majority of the talented people that I run into with really amazing accordions almost always are very, very well read, uh, very active in the aquarium hobby on a social level. So it's almost a, almost a guarantee. It's kind of interesting. Another thing that I've noticed with all these great aquariums is that the access to the equipment is really easy. In other words, when you open up the stand, it's not a jumble of wires and, and disheveled tubing and stuff like that. The filters, the pumps, the electrical systems are all really easily accessible. Oftentimes they're labeled. This is intentional, designed from the start. The organization really helps. And a lot of times it's out of necessity because we are dealing with complex systems or people travel a lot and they need their roommate or spouse or significant other to understand what's going on. Oh, it's making that noise. Flip that switch that says, you know, uh, protein skimmer or pull the plug on the uh, top off or whatever. So it labeled, it's useful. Uh, one of the things I've noticed is that these long-term successful aquariums almost always are super organized. It's very unusual to see a haphazard aquarium or one that's really just disheveled in, in, in terms of organization be successful for an extended period of time. And number nine, this is perhaps the most important of all. The aquarist is almost always really patient. They learn the lessons by listening to others, by experiencing success and failure on their own. Um, they've incorporated all this stuff into their system design, their stocking practice, their main, you know maintenance procedures, and the philosophy behind the aquarium. It's a very common trait of people that breed fish, especially, but patience, waiting things out. We've talked about this before. A lot of these people will say, you know, uh, I had this sort of an algae bloom or whatever, and what did I do? What was my radical move to do nothing? And I think that's super, super important. It's something that we're seeing more and more of um, with really successful people. And it's becoming, it's becoming increasingly obvious to me and to others that patience is a huge and very, very important attribute to have as a hobbyist. And I think that's great. And number 10 is another really important thing. Again, this is not saying that you can't do things on the cheap or, you know, on a budget or DIY or whatever, but boy, almost without fail, the, the best aquariums I see are ones in which the aquarists have invested in equipment that's designed and built for reliable long-term service. Nothing's left to chance. And it doesn't always have to be the most expensive stuff, but it's generally the best stuff or very good stuff or stuff that they have familiarity with and say, and, and say to themselves, well... I know everything about this product. It's always worked for me and I'm going to keep using this particular pump. It may not be the most expensive, the sexiest, the most advanced, but it has all the features I need. I can use it in a way that I need to. Uh, I know what's going to happen. There's expectations. I know how I can get replacements, whatever. There's a degree of familiarity. And I think that's a super important thing. A lot of these people will not just try to save money. They won't switch aquarium salt because that one's on sale or they won't... Uh, uh, just use some random brand heater because it's the cheapest one and they just need a 50-watt heater. They will almost always buy a specific brand. There's a lot of brand loyalty among some of these people. If not, it's not necessarily you know blind uh, brand loyalty, but it's brand loyalty based on experience, understanding that this is the product that actually has worked for me and it's worked really well and I'm going to keep using it. And guess what? When they don't work well, They'll be the, these are the first people to tell the company, hey, this doesn't work and switch if necessary. Uh, but it's about quality. And again, these are, you know, just a, a little quick top 10 hit list of some of the things that I found that are common to some of the best 
uh, successful aquarists and their aquariums. And it's something that I've noticed over the year. I'd like to take over the years. I like to take notes about these things, and it's it's interesting to see it. And I hope that uh, this kind of maybe gives you pause, makes you think. You know, when you analyze your own skills or you know where you want to be, kind of looking at some of the, the habits that you've acquired, the equipment that you use, the ideas that you execute on, and the attitudes that you bring. You'll find that you probably have a lot in common with some of the most successful people in the game. It's pretty cool stuff to think about. It's fun to make these little lists once in a while and do a little informal uh, uh, podcast here for you. So this is a quick hit. We'll be back with something more detailed later in the day, but just wanted to get this one out there and uh, give you some food for thought on a Monday morning here. Hope all is well. Thanks for uh, participating in this incredible journey in the botanical style or botanical method aquarium, excuse me. Stay strong, stay engaged, stay studious, stay careful. Stay patient and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Tannin Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.